0: Where do we go from here? Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen each day. What is the current state of the New York Jets after back-to-back blowout losses? That's what we'll talk about on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are locked on Jets. Your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's getting ugly for the Jets. They've been blown out two straight weeks, three out of four games since the bye week. Now, for some reason, Rex Ryan's going on ESPN and picking a public fight with Robert Sala. It's just not a fun time to be a Jets fan. And to be quite honest with you... There have not been many points over the last decade plus that have been fun times to be a fan of the New York Jets. But all we can do is look forward, and that's what we're going to do on today's show. We're going to talk about things to watch in the final half of the season for the New York Jets. On Sunday, we passed the halfway point of the season. There's no official halfway point anymore now that the season is 17 games long. It used to be after game eight. Now the halfway point of the season is, I guess, halftime of game number nine because now there are 17 games, but there are some things to watch in the final half of the season for the New York Jets, and I think you have to begin with the progress of Zach Wilson, and we've talked about this, we talked about this even going back to the spring when the Jets drafted Zach, so much of this season is going to be focused on Zach Wilson's development, and it's time to put him back in, if he's healthy. Now, I maintain that if he's less than 100%, he should not be rushed back into the lineup, I don't think Zach would benefit from playing while injured. In fact, I wonder to what extent his early season struggles were a result of him playing injured, because you have to remember, going back to week two, week three, reports came out that he was playing through a groin injury, and I kind of wonder, did that mess with his mechanics at all? Did that lead to some of the inaccuracy we saw? You don't want him playing hurt. You don't want him developing bad habits. It's not going to be good for anybody. So I do think you wait till he's 100%. You don't send him out there when he's less than 100%. It's not like the Jets are trying to make a playoff run right now, and you need to get him back in there to try and win games. You're trying to win games, but him sitting one extra week's not the end of the world. That said, I think when he's healthy, he should go back in. I discussed this last week on the show. I felt like Mike White had earned the opportunity to start until he played himself out of the role, and Mike White's played himself out of the role. And I guess there was also questions about how healthy Mike White is because he had to leave Sunday's game with an injury and Joe Flacco finished things up. Now, if Zach cannot go, I guess White's injury becomes a question mark. If both White and Joe Flacco were healthy, who do you start? I don't feel passionately about that one, to be honest with you. I'd probably lean towards White just because he played that big game against Cincinnati, but I'm not sure how much I buy into Mike White and his future in this league. I mean, to be honest with you, looking at Mike White's performance against Buffalo and when I combine that with how he looked in preseason, the fact he's a practice squad player, the fact the Cowboys let him go, I kind of wonder whether we were right about the backup quarterback situation all along. And maybe Joe Douglas really did mess it up as badly as we thought he did. And Douglas kind of lucked into a fluky career game from Mike White. But in any event, I think we've seen that the momentum has run out from Mike White as most of us expected it would. I was hoping the Jets maybe caught lightning in a bottle and it could last a little bit longer. I mean, look, I hoped that Mike White was a franchise quarterback who just got overlooked, but the odds were always against that. You look at White's natural ability. I'm just not sure it's starting quarterback caliber. And listen, I think arm strength is actually one of the most overrated things in a quarterback. Jeff George is not going to the Hall of Fame. Jake Cutler's not going to the Hall of Fame. The best quarterbacks are not the guys with the biggest arms, but you need a certain threshold. I'm not sure Mike White has that. And I think that he earned the starting job based on his performance, but he could play his way out of it. And at some point, your evaluations need to matter. At some point, you have to say, you know, we graded Zach Wilson as the second best prospect in this draft class. And Mike White was a guy we waived a couple times last season. Those evaluations have to matter. Now, at some point, performance overrides them. Like when White throws for 405 yards, then you say, okay, well, you know what? Performance is more important than evaluation. But when performance is equal or roughly equal, and I think you can say that now after White had that four interception game against Buffalo, I think that's when you lean towards your evaluations. Because now that, I know Zach really hasn't played a game like White played against Cincinnati, but now White has had a really ugly performance. He's called kind of fallen back to earth. So now I think this is the point where you say, okay, now performance has kind of leveled out Which of these quarterbacks do we evaluate as having the best chance to develop into a starter? And it's not even really close. I think we all know that Zach Wilson is not a guaranteed franchise quarterback. But if one of these two guys is going to be a franchise quarterback, it's Zach Wilson. So now it's time to get him back into the lineup. And I agreed with the decision to play White against Buffalo for one other reason. Because Buffalo's defense is really good. So first of all, it would be a good test for Mike White. If he actually played well against Buffalo's defense, then you'd say, okay, we really have something here. or We might really have something. But him falling back to earth was kind of timely because now the schedule gets a little bit easier. And compare this situation you're in now to the situation where Zach goes in against Buffalo and struggles. You put Zach into a terrible situation. He struggles. You've only seen White have success because you play that great game against Cincinnati. You play that... First quarter against the Colts, where he throws for a hundred yards and a touchdown. You're looking at this, and now you've created a quarterback controversy, and unfairly because you put Zach in a position to fail, and you did not give White the test against Buffalo. So now that we've had White play against Buffalo and fail, we can get back to normal. We can get back to focusing on Zach's development. Now the questions will be: First of all, is Zach healthy? And I go back to the question, and I'm not trying to make excuses here for Zach, but. I think there is a question, how much did that groin injury impact his mechanics? Second, how much did he benefit from sitting on the bench? I do think that there can be a benefit. We talked about this when he first got injured against New England. There can be a benefit to viewing the game from a different perspective, watching from the sideline, watch another quarterback operate your system. There can be something valuable for that. And it also could be like a little mental break for Zach. It's got to be tough when you're going out there struggling week after week as Zach was. When the team isn't playing that well, you're losing. I'm sure you hear, at least to some extent, people questioning you. It gives him a chance to kind of step back, kind of get his bearings, gives him a chance to regroup. And now maybe we'll see a different Zach Wilson against what should be a fairly easier schedule. And a lot of the season really is based on Zach Wilson's development, Now, wins and losses will be directly impacted by how Zach Wilson plays, so you cannot say it's not about wins and losses at all, but a lot of it is about Zach Wilson. And i got to tell you, as bad as things are feeling right now for Jets fans, I think things will feel a lot better if you see Zach Wilson go out there, show some promise, play some quality games, and give you hope for the future. Because nothing gives you hope for the future like a young quarterback going out there and showing promise. So I think that's number one. That's the number thing to, one, number one thing to look for over the last eight games of the season. And I would presume if Zach is healthy, he's going to go back into the lineup. The Jets have now created a natural spot for him to go back in. But ahead here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we're going to talk about some of the other things to watch. In particular, we're going to talk about the progress of some key members of this organization. But before we get to that, I think this team has probably frustrated you enough that you want to think about something nice, like a beach vacation. And in life, we're all bound for different things. With BeachBound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness. Bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation, or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. I really enjoy sitting on the beach. I love just a day where you have nothing to do. Maybe you have a newspaper or a good book, you can sit around and just relax. Maybe you enjoy having a drink in hand, maybe you enjoy being there for an hour. No matter what you like to do at the beach, with beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today and learn more about how you can build your perfect beach vacation. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. Today, we are talking about things to watch for over the final eight games of the season for the New York Jets, in particular, things to evaluate. And I'm going to talk in this segment about the guys running the team, in particular, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. And I hear a lot of discussion evaluating these two guys I think a lot of it goes to the extremes. On the one extreme, you have people who say, well, these guys got to go. They are horrible. They're hopeless. Things are not going to work out for them. And then on the other extreme, and I have to be honest with you, I spent the first few weeks of the season on the other extreme. You hear things like, well, it's a rebuilding team. You could not have expected much from this year. You can't really hold it against them. And again, that was a stance that I took early in the season. And I think I was pretty clear heading into the season that I was going to be a very easy grader early on. But I was expecting progress as the season moved forward. And the deeper we got into the year, the less of an easy grader I was going to be. So I've kind of moved more towards the middle right now. And what I think about was back when I was in school, At the end of the year, you got your report card, and that was the final grade, that was the final judgment about how you did. But during the year, you'd get these things about, you know, halfway through the semester, they were called progress reports, and they showed how you were doing. And these things were not the final grade, you still had an opportunity to improve if things were going poorly, and if things were going well, you had to sustain that success. You know, if things were going well halfway through the semester, and you did a bad job the rest of the semester your grade would go down and that's what I think about in guys in a situation like maybe a Douglas or a Salah or some of the other guys running the team like LaFleur Jeff Ulbricht the defensive coordinator we're at the point where I think they're in progress report territory and they probably will be in progress report territory past this season because I think heading into this year we knew that this was going to be a multi-year process Jets were not going to be good this year This was a team that was focused on the future more than it was the present. Uh, But the present is not irrelevant. And I think it is fair to say, you know, these guys are doing a good job. These guys are doing a bad job. These guys are ahead of schedule. These guys are behind schedule. I don't think you need to have a definitive statement. I don't think any grade has to be definitive. I don't think you have to totally withdraw from judging these guys just because the team's in rebuilding mode. On the same note, I don't think you need to make a final judgment. I doubt very much Douglas or Salah are going to be replaced after this season. I don't think that's the right move either. Because ultimately, it's not really about stability, as some people would say. But, you know, I look at a coach like Robert Sala. After this year, if you get rid of him, you're going to bring in... Who are you going to bring in? Biennemi? You're going to bring in some coordinator, probably. And looking at this objectively, are the odds Sala figures it out really that different than, say, a coordinator like an Eric Biennemi comes in and does a good job right off the bat. I mean, I think the odds are probably about the same. So I don't know that you're really materially improving your chances of finding the right head coach by making a change right now. But you can judge the job that's been done so far. And I think you have to say, if you're going to be fair, both of these guys are kind of behind schedule. You know, you look at Douglas. You know, when I think about Douglas, I go back to past Jets general managers. And the most obvious guy to compare him to is the guy he just replaced, Mike McCagnon. And I remember... McCaden's second season was when I started to get worried about him. Now listen, I'd be lying to you if I told you I did not love McCaden that first year. And I think you're probably lying if you're telling me you did not love McCackden that first year. There probably were a few people who had an issue with what he was doing. I'd say ninety seven percent of the fan base loved McCackden after that first year. They went ten and six. His moves mostly worked out that year. The second year, however, the Jets really regressed. They did not do as well. It was a losing team. It was a team that was having issues, and the thing that really bugged me about McCagnin that year, people were pointing to some of the free agency signed getting old, like Revis and Brandon Marshall, although Marshall was a trade. What bothered me about McCagnin that year was that his second year draft class really wasn't producing. Listen, you know, free agency is free agency. Tough to build sustained success through free agency. Your draft classes are what matter, and his second year players that year from his first draft class and the year where they were supposed to be making the big leap were not producing. And you look at Douglas right now, his second draft class isn't that good. Now, listen, the Jets have had some bad breaks, you know, with what's happened with Mekhi Becton. I mean, is that really his fault? No, it's nobody's fault. You know, if Becton's playing, maybe things look differently. But, you know, Denzel Mims, I know people can say he's not a scheme fit. I mean, a player like Denzel Mims with his theoretical skill set should be able to fit any scheme. I don't think, it, I really don't think it's a scheme issue with him. You know, Ashton Davis, Jabari Zaniga, the two third round picks. I know Zaniga had a sack a couple weeks back against the Bengals, but look, he's a practice squad player. He's not doing that well. You know, the fourth round, Cameron Clark injured. Maybe that's a bad break. Who knows? Maybe he can be a player, but a couple picks that were really squandered in my opinion in James Morgan and Lamichael Pirine, you know, they had picked a punter late, Brady Mann as a punter. Bryce Hall's working out well, but I don't think you can say that you could be satisfied with the second-year players right now for the Jets and Joe Douglas' first draft class. Now, you look to free agency, again, some bad breaks. Carl Lawson getting injured for the season. He was one of their big signings. Vinny Curry also getting injured. That's hurt the defensive line. And Corey Davis, you know, as much as— and I'm not going to defend Corey Davis's fumble on Sunday, and Davis has been inconsistent— I actually think if you look at the money, he's not being paid like DeAndre Hopkins. He's not being paid like Julio Jones. He, I think for the money, you could actually make a case he's not that far off from where he should be. But you know, you look at the moves Douglas has made, I and mean, there's a lot more where there are question marks than there are obvious successes. Now, second year, no, I'm sorry, his first year players, his second draft class, actually Somewhat promising. Vera Tucker looks like a player. Elijah Moore's starting to come along. Both Michael Carter's look like they can play. So maybe there are some good signs there. But you know, I think you have to say talent-wise, this team's probably not where you were hoping it would be when Joe Douglas came in with all of this fanfare, all of this hype. Everybody was talking about how great Joe Douglas was, and you know, listen, if it's, you're a Jets fan, you want to believe it. And, you know, we're all buying in. Kind of underwhelming and. As far as underwhelming goes, you know, I think you have to say the same with Salah right now. I mean, this team cannot be giving up 45 points a game on defense. I don't care what your talent level is. You can't be giving up 45 points a game on defense. And the thing that bothers me more than anything is, as I mentioned, my focus this year is on progress. My focus is on, is the team getting better as the season moves forward? And it seems like this team is getting worse where they're not even competitive in these games. Now, the schedule's gotten a little bit tougher. You know New England looks tougher than we thought they'd be at the beginning of the season. Buffalo is Buffalo. You know, you got you did not play Buffalo until this past Sunday. Even the Colts, I think, are a little bit more talented than their record would suggest. Those are tougher opponents than, say, playing Carolina and Atlanta early in the season. But the results are getting much worse. And, you know, I don't care what your talent level is. You shouldn't be getting blown out this consistently. You shouldn't be giving up 45 points a game. And some of this is on Salah. And listen, there have been some very suspect play calls. I think Javelin Guidry entering the game immediately, you know Buffalo's going right at him. You got to give him some help. You can't, if even if even if you're not going to give him help, you have to disguise it a little bit. I think that that more than anything, it wasn't just that they left Javelin Gidry one-on-one with Stephon Diggs, is that it was obvious pre-snap that it was, he was one-on-one. They didn't even throw any sort of disguise. So even though they blitzed Josh Allen, Allen knew what was coming. I mean, the, the blitz really didn't have much of a chance to work because it was so obvious and Allen knew he could just throw it up to Diggs. So, you know, part of this goes into play calling, part of it goes into talent. The team just has to be better, though. What we've seen out here, I don't think is acceptable, even for a rebuilding team. And we don't need to make that final judgment. This is not the final report card, but we can give a progress report. And right now, there is a lack of progress. And right now, if you're judging Douglas and you're judging Salah, I don't think you can give them good grades. They have time to recover. They have time to improve. And I think they should get time to to recover and time to improve. But things aren't there right now. Will they get better? That's something to watch over the last eight games of the season. Now ahead, we will conclude today's episode of Locked On Jets by talking about what better results actually mean. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. You'll get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Again, that's the free GetUpside app, promo code TOUCHDOWN. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Tuesday, talking about things to watch for the Jets over the final eight games of the season, as we are officially past the halfway point. Now, I have spoken... In the first half of the season about how 2021 is not all about wins and losses for the jets it's about progress but progress and wins and losses are not necessarily mutually exclusive on some level you have to win games to show that you're making progress and i think we've reached the point in the season where the jets need to start getting some wins and that's for a couple of reasons first of all progress implies that you're getting better as the season moves along so you should be a better team Week 10, Week 11, than you were Week 1. But beyond that, we've reached the point in the schedule where you cannot really say the Jets are overmatched. The next six weeks in particular, you've got Miami. Then you've got Houston. Then you've got Philadelphia. Then you've got the Saints, which, all right, that's not an easy game. But after that, Miami again, and Jacksonville. And this is the point where the Jets have to win games. The The excuses are gone. You can't say that the team's making progress if you can't beat opponents that are near the bottom of the league. Now, I understand the Jets are near the bottom of the league themselves. I'm not saying they need to go undefeated in this stretch, but they need to win games. We're past the point where I think you can take a moral victory away from being competitive or being close, which, by the way, Jets have not done a great job of since the bye, aside from that game against Cincinnati. And then after that, I mean, you close the season with Tampa Bay and Buffalo, which is not easy. Although, you know, who knows? Buffalo is the final week of the season, week 18. And maybe we get into a situation like we saw two years ago, where the Bills may be a good team, but perhaps by the final game of the season, they've clinched the playoff spot. They don't really have a lot to play for, and you get their backups. That's what happened the final game of the season two years ago, and it turned into a pretty easy game that the Jets actually won. And beyond that, you know, you look at these last two games, Tampa Bay and Buffalo, maybe the Jets build some confidence over these next six games. Maybe they start playing better, maybe they get onto a little bit of a roll, and even though they face faced these quality opponents the last two weeks of the season, they go in and they can actually give these teams games. Well, it begins with this stretch. We're past the patient part of the season. I'm sure a lot of people rolled their eyes in the early part of the year where I said that it's not all about wins and losses, you may not be patient, you have good reason to not be patient. You haven't seen a playoff game in over a decade, but the Jets were building with a very young team. They're trying to put the pieces together. Well, that's over now. Now they're playing against teams where they should not be at a massive disadvantage. They're not even playing against teams where they are really at, they should be at much of a disadvantage at all. These are all winnable games coming up, and we need to start seeing wins. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. I hope you have a great Tuesday. Send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow is our weekly mailbag show.